Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 131 of the podcast. It's the 4th of July, 2018, as I record this intro. And best wishes to our American listeners. This week on the podcast, I speak with Maria Randolph. I've known Maria online for years, so it was great fun to be able to connect with her in real time. Her unschooled daughter is now 20, which gives Maria a great perspective to look back on her own fascinating de-schooling journey. We talk about what she found to be one of the most challenging areas to de-school, regret and how it can get in the way, her journey through the question, but how will they learn math, and lots more. As a personal update this week, it's the beginning of the month, and as you'll hear Maria and I talk about in the episode, I'm a bit of a planner. (laughs) So I've been planning out July. I just got the book cover files for the Portuguese translation of Free to Learn, so I'll definitely be doing the last of that work to get it published and out into the world this month. And I'm planning to record the audiobook edition of The Unschooling Journey. Depending on how editing goes, I hope to have that available by the end of the month as well. And Lissy will be visiting, so I was mapping out the podcast work I want to have done early so that I'm mostly free to play with her when she's here. All good stuff. And as a community update, I want to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron Holly Johnson and to Susan Walker for increasing her pledge. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share unschooling information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore this fascinating world. If you'd like to support my unschooling work, like this podcast and my website, and get some fun rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And with that, let's get to my conversation with Maria. Welcome! I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Maria Randolph. Hi, Maria! Hello! Hello! I have enjoyed seeing Maria around in online unschooling circles for many, many years. Thank you so much, Maria. (laughs) And I'm thrilled. Yeah, I'm thrilled you agreed to join me on the podcast. I thought that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored to be asked. Oh, thank you. And to get us started, though, let's everybody uh, here, if you could share a little bit about you and your family so they get to know you. Okay, so um, family of three, my husband, David, myself, and our daughter, Davy, who is now 20. And we live in the northeast part of the United States in a state named, called Maine. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been here for about 15 years. And before that, my daughter was born and raised in, or, until she was seven in Wisconsin. And then we moved out here to Maine. So that's our story. <laughs> well, 
That's a very nice introduction. And now I would love to hear how, through that, you discovered unschooling and what your family's move to unschooling kind of looked like. Oh, it was so roundabout, the <laughs> most complete roundabout way. Um, I had or- kind of known about unschooling a little, well, let me back up even further. When Davy was three, we kind of knew that we wanted to homeschool. I had cousins who homeschooled their kids. Mm. And then also, even before we were married, I knew homeschoolers and I just thought it was a really, really wonderful thing for kids to be able to be home and to be freely pursuing, or for the most part, freely pursuing what they wanted to do and what their where their interests led. So, we knew that when we had a child that we were kind of leaning toward that. And so when my daughter was uh, three, we would go to uh, homeschooling conferences. And I think it was that one of those where I kind of heard the idea of unschooling and I wasn't too sure on the concept at that point. Um, so we caved into putting her into kindergarten. I, I say sometimes that it was pressure, like people saying, oh, she should do, oh, just one year. or Oh, she should just go to kindergarten. But I think it was a lot of internal pressure too I, I, the, on myself, like just yeah. having a lot of fears. And I think both David and I agreed that we were kind of like, look back and think like, oh yeah, we, we were kind of really unsure that we knew what we were doing. And so um, she went in kindergarten. It was not a good experience for her. She cried every morning and often I would have to go, um, it was all day kindergarten. I would have to go in the middle of the day and get her. So for the first six months, she went half day and then she ended up going all day. Um, And the end of the year couldn't come fast enough. We were so happy when she was done. And we look back and there's pictures of her that I know, oh yeah, she was in kindergarten that year because there's bags under her eyes. She was really stressed. Yeah. Poor thing. <laughs> Look back and think, why didn't you just pull her out, Maria? What were you thinking? So, um, so yeah, we ended up uh, then deciding definitely we're going to homeschool now. And so um, I, my personality is very um, enthusiastic and organized. And so, you know, I brought out all the curriculum yeah. and this is how we're going to do it. And, and really, again, when I look back and I'm totally digressing, I hope this is okay. Oh, but absolutely. when I look back, when I look, I don't think you have a choice, Pam. Ended up uh, moving uh, from Wisconsin to Maine when she was about seven. And at that point, a lot of upheaval because um, we were moving, we we're away from family. Maine was amazing to explore. Mm-hmm. And I think before the internet broke, I admitted that I didn't even register because I completely forgot that I was supposed to do that because it was a little different in Wisconsin at the time. Ah. And it was like January, I think I went, oh, I think I was supposed to do that. (laughs) Anyway, we just got really involved in life. And that was really cool. But then I started feeling like, oh my goodness, I'm failing her. So I wanted to put together instead of like a box curriculum, I wanted to make my own curriculum, which... You know, I, I look back and I'm just laughing because, again, I was spent so much time delving into the curriculum. I wasn't really homeschooling, like, for a month because I was so immersed in what should I do and what's going to be perfect. Yeah. So um, we started school at home more, and I would say it was probably more, like, relaxed homeschooling unit-based sort of thing. And then um, we were butting heads a lot. And the days that were really fun is when I said – let's have a free day and, you know, go visit a lighthouse or let's have a free day and go to the museum or the beach or let's just watch TV today. We don't feel good. So those were the fun times, but 
meanwhile, we were butting heads and she was getting frustrated at me. I was getting frustrated at her. And then this whole idea of unschooling had kind of been in my periphery. And so I'm kind of like leaning towards that, but not really understanding what it was exactly as, as uh, we ended up practicing it. <clears throat> and I just thought it was kind of like relaxed unschooling and or relaxed homeschooling rather. And so we kind of just relaxed a little more and a little more. And this whole schoolroom that I had set up, we relaxed a little more. But then I started understanding a little more what radical unschooling was and applying those, the idea that natural learning can happen in every aspect of life. And that was another story <laughs> that I might get into later, but that was a little harder for me to <clears throat> being a little bit of a control freak to understand and to kind of let go that I really wanted the cute schoolroom, <laughs> but that wasn't working. So I kind of had to go through that, that process a little bit, but by the time uh, Davey was <clears throat> 10 or 11, we were way more radical in schooling. I'd say by the time 12 or 13, we were like totally in the rhythm and what weren't even thinking about anything. We were just living life at that point. So that is my long story of how I found <laughs> I've done. I feel like we've done it all. So when somebody says, oh, I use relaxed homeschooling with a Charlotte Mason and a side of Waldorf, I go, oh yeah, I know what that is. Gotcha. Because I feel like... I dove into all that, you know, to some degree. So um, I feel like anybody who comes along and says, but how do I unschool after doing this? It's like, oh, I can tell you because I did that <laughs> at least for a month until I got sidetracked by some other great curriculum I thought was out there. So it was interesting. Yeah, no, it does sound like a really, really interesting journey. And and that actually leads very nicely to our next question. <laughs> What was <clears throat> the most challenging area of deschooling for you? And let's talk about one of those and just see how, how you worked your way through it. Um, I would say the most challenging for me and for my daughter, mm -hmm. um, because we've been able to talk about this, um, you know, since, was definitely my need for control. So um, I... I'm a kind of a control freak. I'm not one of those people that's, I can be easygoing, but I, I need a little bit more structure, which can be actually be just a super wonderful quality, like organized and structured. And um, I don't know, have you ever seen, now I'm really digressing. Have you ever seen the, um, the show, uh, now I can't it, Parks and Recreation? It's a U.S.-based show. I have seen some of you the have. episodes, yes. <clears throat> I'm Leslie. No, I'll have a binder folder loaded. If you ask me what restaurant you should go to, I'll have a folder for you describing every restaurant in the area. So that I, I mean, yeah. that's kind of how my brain works, which mm -hmm. can be a beautiful thing. But when it comes to raising a child, who your, you know, you, your deepest wish is that they know themselves. That's pretty hard mm -hmm. to allow them to know themselves when you're trying to control them. So I think, I think that would have always been an issue for us, but particularly trying to come into unschooling, I was now looking in the mirror a lot mm -hmm. and having to realize, Oh, that's doing damage. I can't be that person, which 
<clears throat> thank goodness for unschooling. I probably would have figured that out when she was 30 if, if we were fortunate. But I think unschooling helped remove those layers um, faster. But that, that was my biggest challenge, honestly, was just kind of letting go of the ideal. And I think a lot of people deal with that too, like letting go of this ideal picture of how you're going to raise a child. And you really, you know, unschooling appealed appeal to me on so many levels, but then <laughs> I had to face myself. And I think that, that truly was the biggest part of the, the challenge was my, me and, and that need for the ideal and for the control. So I, I still work on that, you know, personality wise. That's so interesting. And I, I, I can totally relate to that um, need no personality style where, you know, if something comes up, like I want to know and organize all around it. Right. You know, yes. I was, I, I mean, I'm known as the planner, <laughs> yeah. you know, if, if you're going on vacation, it's, it's coming up with like, you know, you, you want to know the route and, and the different places you might stop along the way and all the different things you might do. And, you know, I have a folder, even now when we go on vacation, I have a folder where we've got the tickets for everything. Yeah. I've got the addresses, the phone numbers, just to, like, like everything's very organized. But yeah, that's the huge piece is, is, is that folder becoming um, like our resource, not our director you you know what I mean yeah yeah that's that piece not not insisting that we still follow this so I can get my organizational like needs met but then once I'm comfortable that shift to okay now now we're gonna kind of just do what comes up with the flow and and I've got three different things we might flow into and and you know what still being open to that fourth thing that somebody sees when they cross the street right and that you've nailed that that it was exactly it like I I I I still struggle with this sometimes letting go of inflexibility Mm -hmm. and you know, that it's okay, like you said, to have that binder and to have everything, but to allow for flexibility, it makes me super uncomfortable. And I think maybe just, you know, for me and my personality, maybe that's a a safety measure, staying in my comfort zone um, and going outside of that, it takes some adjustment. And even now, you know, both David and Davey will, um, if they come up with an idea or something, they'll just give me some space and some time. And they know like within 10 minutes to a day, depending on what it is, eventually I'll come back and go, oh, okay, you I know, like that, that. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> my family knows the exact same thing. <laughs> At least my kids do. They're like, mom, do you yeah. need a minute? You know, hey, yes. this thing just came up and I'd love to do this. And I'm like, do you need an answer right away? Because if you need it right away, it might be no, but can I think about it for 10 minutes? <laughs> They, yes, and, and that's such. Give it to me. Yeah, yeah. And I was gonna say just that that little phrase, like, "Can you give me a minute?" Mm-hmm. Was such an epiphany for me when that I didn't have to come up with the answer right away, or we didn't have to discuss it all right away. That I could just step back a little bit and and say, and that my family would accept it if I said, uh, "I I need a minute to just kind of process that a little bit." Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I like that. I'm not sure I'm comfortable. Give me a minute, and then to kind of sit with it a little bit and know that 
you know, they'd be okay and we could discuss it. I don't know. I, I think my personality is too, like, sometimes I get kind of all or nothing. And so it was like, I have to come up with the answer now and I have to be totally comfortable with it on every level and everybody's got to be happy. So I look back at different points in unschooling with Davey where I can see like, oh yeah, that was like a real turning point where I kept my mouth shut more often after that. Or, you know, I could see that I was taking away some joy or that I was, she's a very easygoing personality. So it would be easy for me to unknowingly walk over that Mm -hmm. to a degree. And there were moments where I could see what I was doing and it was like, oh, I can't do that. That's really made me feel icky. Mm -hmm. And I could see it reflected in her face. And so that's when I, I, I see these different turning points where I was like, oh, I can't do that anymore. This is what it's doing. So <clears throat> I think had Davy too been a different personality where she was like, ah, no way, mom. That might have done a number of things. But it's just interesting always to see the dynamic interesting to talk about. It's interesting to compare notes with one another and kind of say, Oh, okay. That's what was happening there. Oh, get it. All right. (laughs) So yeah, those conversations are so helpful, aren't they? I mean, when you have that openness and that trust level where people can say what they see and it's when you get to that level where you're not taking things personally but, you know, you're not taking them on as an attack, but as, as information, as, as uh, just better understanding each other, right? Absolutely. I love that, that it's <clears throat> shared information. We talk a, a lot about that with, um, in unschooling about how we share information with our kids to give them the information so that they can make decisions based on information they might not have had or they might not have known and um, so that they can have that available to use it in a certain way. And of course that works with us too. So when I'm given information and, and just like at those, those pinnacle points where I could see what she was thinking or, or, you know, a look on her face and I thought, oh, this is not a good direction I'm going in. Mm -hmm. That wasn't great now as she, what? (laughs) Or, hey, this doesn't feel good, FYI. Um, And it's it's just kind of been a beautiful thing to see all that happen. Um, Yeah, it's when you're you're paying attention in a conversation, right? When when you stop trying to direct it and you're, you're trying to say over and over what you want, then you're like plowing ahead and you're not noticing all those clues, those looks that pass by their face, the, the shuffle, the twist of the body, all those little pieces of information that they don't necessarily need to be verbal, do they? That's really, really a good point. And just how you said um, that, that stopping when you, when you quit being the director yeah. and, and you stop to notice and really be present and as a planner organizer, I'm always thinking ahead. And I feel like unschooling kind of helped me stand back and observe a little bit more. Um, and to observe and, 
and think about my part in that. Instead of observing and directing, I'm thinking about, well, where does that put me in connection with this person and what can I do differently to ease their path or to get out of their path (laughs) very often. Yeah, I loved your point about, um, you know, being more quiet and listening more because so often, um, well, I, I remember times when they would be, you know, having this idea and this idea and this idea and my planning brain would be like, okay, you know, trying to make that shift and trying to think of the implications of that choice and that choice. And then, you know, I'd be, I'd be tempted to jump in with like, you know, pros, cons, comments, et cetera. But when I could be quiet and just watch the pros, because they weren't, they weren't done. They were verbally processing what they were thinking. And when I just watched them and sat back and let them, you know, go through the work that they were doing, they got somewhere completely different and then I yes. can see how they got there. Now you better understand why they got there, right? Because you could see all the different pieces that came together. And then you better understood even why you were doing X in the end, right? Yes. And and then we got to that place, like you said, without us um, putting our hands all over it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I do. And you it, it makes a lot of sense. And and I was thinking about how you were saying um, how when they would come up with ideas, you're thinking about something and you were already saying, well, this is what you could do. Or I still, I struggle with that a little bit. And my husband just pointed something out to me the other day that, um, you know, somebody might come up with an idea, whether it's him or it's Davey or even a friend. Um, might say, oh, you know, let's do X, Y, Z. And I'm my immediate out of my mouth is generally, oh, well, we could, but we could go that way because there's actually a detour there. So, and then, you know, it's going to be late. So we can't really go. Maybe we'd want to go the other way. I'm thinking of all the can'ts instead of just stepping back and sharing the joy. I think I'm doing everybody a favor, of course, because, you know, I'm organizing it, (laughs) letting them know what's in their way. It's so much more smooth this way. (laughs) But... That it's taking away their joy. And he said to me, you know, you're, you're kind of stepping into, they just want to talk about what they love. Mm-hmm. They're not ready to organize it yet. And you've already organized it for them. And it takes their joy and takes kind of the, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the steam right out of, of yeah. them. And I was kind of, I'm, and I knew I've already kind of had, you know, that's my personality a little bit and I struggle, but in the instance he was giving me, I really, I didn't see it. So when he said that, it, I was so appreciative because it was like, oh, right. Okay. Right. I, I do do that. I got, I've got to think more, speak less and let people, you know, let it go. So I think, um, it, like I had said earlier, unschooling helped me do that in a way I'm not sure I would have mm-hmm. sooner. I feel like it's helped my marriage in a lot of ways too, because I was looking at so much my interaction with my daughter, but as you know, experienced unschoolers will often say, and as I was hearing a lot of 
how would you do, would you do that with a friend? And so I started to really think about, well, would I? And if I would, is it right? Should I be doing and And how am I treating my mate? So I think that in, in a way, and again, with so many de-schooling experiences, it's a little bit of therapy for us um, because we're kind of, you know, really rooting around our own personalities and our motives and um, trying to be the the best person we can be for another person to grow and learn naturally. So what an experience. It's been so good to reflect on it too, since, you know, I knew we were going to be speaking as as like kind of all week I've been thinking about, yeah, what has that de-schooling process really done for us? And how does it continue to help me, even though I have an adult and we're not in schooling anymore? It's continued to have a lot of benefit. So it's been a great, it's been a great experience. Yeah. It really does call us to and you can learn our, about ourselves, can, right? Yes, I was going to say, and you can see how I just do, 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 go on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. You know, because it it really helps. Um, other, a lot of other people can, can connect to, to those feelings and that level of detail. I mean, as an aside, that's what, what I love about these podcast conversations is, you know, we can really get um, into, into a deep conversation with each person individually because it, it's beautiful. Every single story is different, right? We talk about that. So everybody's unschooling lives look different because we're all individual and unique people. There are patterns to it. There are the things we learn about ourselves how we learn that relationships end up being the most important thing, you know, over learning, because you know what? We discover quick enough that learning happens all the time, right? We can't stop it. (laughs) So that's not really something we need to be concerned about. Now, absolutely. That's a part of de-schooling, right? Is, is, is um, understanding how real learning works and seeing Mm -hmm. it happening all the time. But yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I love all the little details, so don't worry about that. <laughs> now, I'm very detailed. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a bit about how, you know, we were talking about how it can take time to work through our issues, right? And not, I don't mm. even like to call them issues, but understanding ourselves better, right? To understand yeah. how we tick and why we react the way we do and and the why we make the choices that we make. Um, and so it can take a while mm. before unschooling really starts to flow in our lives, right? So that mm. can also leave us feeling some regret over, you know, maybe how long it's taken us, maybe some of the choices that we made. And I was wondering if that was your experience and how maybe you worked through that or continue to work through that. Yeah, continue to work through it for sure. I think... I was thinking a lot about this and thinking about the nature of regret. And, you know, on one hand, I don't know, I'm not going to be very articulate. Um, I think regret and guilt kind of go hand in hand. And so that's what I've been ruminating on a little bit. And I feel like regret, like guilt, to a degree, um, if we get too eaten up by it, 
it, it pulls us backwards, Mm -hmm. but we need it a little bit because it tweaks us and tells us where to go forward. And I think it was probably, I can't remember if Sandra Dada actually said this or it was that I saw it on her website and it, it helped me so much. Um, when we know better, we do better. And so, you know, when I look back and think of regrets, I think I've already touched on some of them. I, I wish we would have unschooled sooner. I wish I would have done that before kindergarten. I wish I would have done that before I decided to become a curriculum junkie. I wish I would have done that out the starting gate. Um, but I didn't know better. <laughs> so um, I do wish when I started learning more about unschooling, um, there was, I don't know, maybe a year or so, maybe a little longer. It's hard to really remember, but there was some resistance. You know, I was kind of like these crazy unschoolers, they're insane. And, Oh, they're so extreme. And I could never do that. I won't be doing that. And I wished I hadn't quite got my, I don't know, my fear, maybe, maybe some pride. Um, I wish I regret that part. I wish I would have done it a little bit sooner. Um, you know, I definitely regret for certain instances that I can recall that I'm like, oh, that's a parent. But again, I just, me, it, guilt and regret is a good tweak to a point where you, where you can say, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. And then after that, it can just really destroy you um, if you if you get too eaten up by it. So allowing that to just move you and then go forward, um, I think is is a, a big component and maybe a difficult component sometimes um, to do because there are, you know, things I, I really do wish I would have done differently and I can't get those years back. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's gone. And that's why, you know, when, um, you know, talking to people who are new to unschooling, um, there's almost, I hate to be, you know, everybody comes to it differently, but there's almost this frantic of, Oh, hurry up and do it, <laughs> do it. But you know, yeah you, yeah, you can't. You can't. Yeah, you can't change uh, somebody else. <laughs> you have to, un, unschoolers, we we um, you know, natural learning is natural learning, even when we're learning naturally about unschooling. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, so yeah, I wish I would have done. You know, maybe some there's some specific instances that pain me a little bit in my parenting, like oh that that day, and I was I think I think I was really mean that day, and I you know, might regret it. Um, but I can't do anything about it except talk to Davey about it now. It's funny. Recently I said, do you ever remember that day? Sometimes it just eats me up and I really want to apologize to you and, um, the child in you that I did that. I feel so. And she was like, Oh, really? (laughs) She couldn't even remember it, but it exemplified to me an attitude that I was displaying overall at that time. So while thankfully she didn't remember that instance, I feel like overall I was displaying a particular attitude that that moment personified. Mm -hmm. And I regret having had that attitude and any effect it might have, um, have or still have on her, you know, over that period of time that I was, you know, showcasing a particular attitude or, or personality, pardon me, that I wanted to get rid of. But 
Um, so yeah, those are, those are kind of, when I think of regrets, some of the, the larger regrets that I, that I have. But I, I think your point that what we can do is like learn from them is really that that's the point well taken. Like as in when, when I come to regret, because I was making the choices that I was making in that moment and I can come to understand who that person was and where that person was right at the time as to why they made those choices. Right. I made those choices. Um, but yeah, definitely using that almost like as a reminder, almost like motivation as to, you know, next time I really don't want to act or react that way. And even like, okay, so next time I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this and, and mm-hmm. see how that goes. So it helped me that way. But yeah, I, and then I needed to release it. Like when I know better, I do better. Different. When I know different, I do different. I can make a different choice now and letting it eat me up. You know what helped me, I think, was when I realized that letting it eat me up was interfering with me now because I wasn't fully present. I wasn't making, you know, good choices or I was taking longer, et cetera. Mm. Part of my mind was always running right. this over, right? And and it was actually interfering with me now. So I think right. that was finally when I could be like, okay, I need to release this. <laughs> right. And interfering with you now and with you being present and thus interfering with your relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's my whole goal. And, and that's why I was regretting it in the first place because of, um, you know, how I treated them or how I was acting towards them. That's why I was regretting, but getting caught up in it and beating myself up with it was recreating that problem in today's moment. Right. right? Yes. That's how yes. I could talk my way through it. That's the way it made sense to me. That's the way it made sense to release that guilt and regret and like just accept those choices that I made and that I'm, I've learned from them and I'm going to make different choices and then letting that weight go. Yes. And I think to being able to look and, and see the relationship that you have now, you know, I think standing back and bogged down in regret wouldn't have helped us go forward. Like mm-hmm. you were just saying, yeah. And that would affect now. I, I love our relationship, but had I stayed back there doing what I was doing or with the regret, it would never be where it is now. Mm-hmm. So very important not to get stuck in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Now let's shift a little bit. Um, and talk about um, de-schooling more in general. And you were talking earlier about as people, new people come to unschooling and the kinds of questions that, that they ask. And one, one of them, or a kind of question that, that is very popular is, but they're usually phrased, but how will they do this? How will they learn this? How will, because, you know, it is a completely new lifestyle, right? It's a totally unconventional um idea to them at first and it's like 
if they don't go to school, but how will they learn? Um, if you don't test them, but how will you know they're learning? You know, just a million and one little questions. So I thought it would be fun if we played around with a couple of them. Um, so, oh, here, here's one. But how will they learn algebra? That's usually a big one. Or calculus, right? Whatever, whatever right. Your complicated math is. <laughs> so when you I, see that, how do you answer it? Well, that was me. I was the one at one time saying, but how will she learn math? Yeah. Because I, uh, growing up in public school, was um, I was bad at math. And um pretty sure I would have ended up you know, again, I was in public school a long time ago. So, but now myself or Davey would have probably been LD and dyscalculia maybe, or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. But I was bad at math and my teachers reinforced that and staying after school and classes and getting Fs reinforced that. And so I was really scared and nervous about how is Davey going to learn math? And it was really probably speaking of regrets, one of my last holdouts, mm-hmm. um, which of course did its damage. You know, she was aware that that was a last holdout. And um, so, you know, there were a lot of fears with that. But um, I'm trying to think how more concisely to answer this question. <laughs> I'm not being very clear. But um, I think we, when we finally let go of it, I just completely let go of it. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. And I just, I read a lot and then I'm like not reading anymore. We're just not doing math or touching it. And then watching how it played out. I think my answer to, but how will they learn math is when they're ready to. And I, it's so simplistic and so bizarre, you know, somebody who knows nothing about unschooling and here's, here's that is going to be like, (laughs) but she learned when she was ready. She came home one day, she wanted to get a job and needed to make change. So we sat down over the course of maybe four or five hours in a given one week, maybe it was over two weeks. And um, she came home one night and was like, ah, scratching my head on this. And I can't figure this out. And we did, went over it again. And I don't think she's ever asked about making change since. Um, she still will get, she gets flustered around numbers and really, um, nervous around numbers. And I, I don't know if that's, um, you know, the baggage or just, you know, maybe it's just, we don't see numbers or think of abstract, but here's the thing. She's 20. She hasn't used it. I'm 50. I, I have a calculator. Um, and there's kind of a neat story too, with this algebra question. Um, when I was 40, I had a good friend who was going through, um, nursing school, I think. And she had a course in algebra. And I said, Oh, you know, math. Oh, I was terrible at that. And she goes, Oh, I love it. And I'm like, Oh, really? What do you love about it? And she brought out her book and she's showing to me. I, with her help, with her explaining it to me, I went through like three chapters and I'm like, Oh my goodness, this is so, I, I've got it. It's so, I mean, it makes sense. It's so easy. And then I'd run and I'd ask her a question and she said, Oh, well think of it this way. And then that's why they do that. No way. And I went through the other chapter. I was like doing these tests in the back of the book and I'm 40 and it took me like two weeks to do that. And I loved every minute of it. It really took away any fear that, well, a, I wasn't good at it, but it took away any fear that a human being 
of any age can learn that when they are ready and when they need to learn it. So I think my answer to that question is really my own experience and knowing that any person can do that, whether you're, you know, 13, 16, 18, 40, 50, when you need it, you can do it. So I think that's hard for people who are newer to unschooling or people who are not familiar with unschooling to hear. And I, I haven't come up with a good way to reassure them that it's almost like you have to see it in action and feel it in action. Have you come up with a good way to explain that? To the the newer? You know what? This is why when I, you know, talk about people when they're starting unschooling, when they're new to unschooling, I, I say, you know, dive in for at least six months, ideally a year, like just, just try it. You, that's the thing is is you need to you need to give some trust, I think, to the people that you're the experienced unschoolers that you're hearing about it from, mm-hmm. and and their experiences, and you know how unschooling worked for them. Because that's at first that's what you hear, right? What you ask, like what right. unschooling looks like, and it's like I I want that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you need like, like you really need that time to have those kinds of experiences to see them learning math, um, on their own. Well, right. you know, having, having an occasion to, to make change or to add things up and to really see that it happens in the world because yeah, somebody just saying they'll learn it when they need it. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to you until you've spent some time watching your kids learning in the world and watching yourself, right? You notice that in yourself when that occasion came up, but you need to give it enough yeah. time for these experiences to start to bubble up. And if that's what, you know, try, try to really dive into it for a year because or else if you're still trying to control, you're still like, but what about math? Because you have to widen your even your definition of math, right? And that's all part of that de-schooling that first year and how you define learning and how are you defining math? Because if if at first you say to somebody, you know, um, they'll learn it when they want to, they're going to be standing there waiting for their kid to walk up and say, "Okay, you know, print right. me that addition worksheet, please. I'm ready to learn." Some math. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's not what you're going to see, right? But you're going to see them maybe playing playing a video game and adding up their money in there so that they can purchase something or figuring out um, how many hit points they need to beat a particular boss or yeah. wanting to bake something and needing to figure out the proportions and the, you know, adding up how many tablespoons and teaspoons, et cetera. You know, there are so many occasions in life even maybe they want to count their steps as they're walking into the mall or walking in the park and, and then they, you know, count by twos. And there's just, it's seeing, giving yourself the time to see how math lives in the world. Cause it really does live in the world, doesn't it? Yep. Yes. And I, that was, that I was no more concise I than did. your answer. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a concise topic, though. It is really, and it's hard to just put in quick, easy terms. And I love how you said, stay with it, you know, for a year, because 
you know, we all often say, look at your child, look at your child. And you need that time to do that. And kind of, so I wish I had um, done that a little bit deeper. I feel like um, that, that math component was, was rough for me. And um, it took me a while, but then I, I started like, like you were saying, looking at it in all of life. And then just as Davy's gotten older and, you know, it's like, well, what's this whole thing with, you know, taking out taxes? How does that even work? And um, why do you need to do that? You know, and then the conversations that come from that and then sitting down and calculating, um, you know, gross and net and, and what are the, the, what's the taxes and why do we do this and that and how that's all math related. Um, it took me a while to understand that that was actually math and, you know, that that's what we were doing. And then, oh, well, if I want a car, how much money do I need? And then how much will I get at the end of the week? And then what are payments? And how do you take out a loan? And, you know, all these math things that we do in the adult world that I kind of sometimes just take for granted and don't think of them as math until as she's needed them, I'm realizing, oh, well, this is math. This is algebra. This is working with unknowns and, you know, so on. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It is. It is. Okay. Let's try another one. That's not so academic. Um, (laughs) I I was, I was picking, you know, an academic one and a life one. Okay. So this one, but how will they learn to work in a group? Cause teamwork's a big thing, right? Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm pausing because I, I don't remember ever coming up with that one or, or having somebody come to me with that. Like how oh. they were. So, um, but I can answer it because <laughs> <laughs> Davey's, um, Davey and I are both pretty introverted. We're very social and obviously we like to talk. Um, but we need a lot of downtime. So after we're with groups of people, we need, you know, maybe days really mm-hmm. of just kind of downtime. Um, and so you'd think <laughs> that maybe that would be difficult to work in a group. Davy's always been fairly social and doesn't have a difficult time um, being in groups and has certainly learned the social skills we have a really nice community here who Davy has always just kind of gone downtown, hung out, and she's just, you know, people will talk to her, ask her about things. She's ended up working with uh, different people in the community, in the creative community here. And it's just kind of dovetails naturally because she's interested and wants to, and the teamwork happens fairly seamlessly. Um, I think it's schools that give us this idea that, that teamwork is very, very necessary and has to be learned and can't be learned unless you're in school. So, um, and anyway, yeah, I think, I think the big thing there too, um, so often, especially with kids and through school and even some of the organized groups is that they're not really choosing to be there. Right. Oh, yeah. So they have no real internal motivation to make the situation work. Right? Right. So, so that, that's a huge piece, isn't it? It's huge. And so when schools say they're not a team player, they're, you know, don't like teamwork, do they even want to be there? Yeah. That's the first question. And 
it's so, you know, it gives back to that whole intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. And mm-hmm. um, everything must come intrinsic, any motivation to, to really, any long-lasting motivation to do anything, whether it's teamwork or algebra. So, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and I mean, there's always, there are opportunities for group. Like you said, you know, she ended up getting uh, attracted to creative groups and, and she ended up, you know, mm-hmm. participating that way. I mean, same with my kids. It's really the group, whether so often it's, it's kind of around an interest. It's people who have chose all chosen to engage in this particular thing. Um, right. So everybody's trying their best to make it work. And that the other piece that you were talking about at the beginning is, you know, am I the kind of person who enjoys that kind of environment? That is an absolutely valid question and, and a great thing to learn about yourself because you won't, you won't choose to put yourself in situations that you know aren't going to work well for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So there's no like requirement. Yes. And that's such, I don't know, such a relief in to me. um, I think when it comes to unschooling and it's such a relief to know that there is no requirement here. You can just be yourself and follow what interests you. There isn't a have to. Hanging over your head, and that's just super liberating to to kind of understand that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when I when I shift back, or I might hear somebody else talk about life in those terms, it just kind of takes me back a little bit. Sometimes, like, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> I have I have to shift into that. But um, and I think yeah. the other piece that when people get caught there, the other piece that they they um, come to terms with if that's the right phrase, um, while they're de-schooling, especially in that first year, is the lifelong nature of it. Like we're talking about, mm-hmm. we're talking about life. We're talking, this learning doesn't stop. So, you know, it's okay if they really figure out groups in their 20s or or older, yes. whenever. Like they're, you know, it's like, oh, but that's something that that they're going to need. They're going to need, well, when they need it or want it, then then they can do it. Then, like, when the age doesn't become a factor, it just becomes about what someone's interested in learning whenever. I think that's that's the other big piece of that puzzle of these um, but how will they questions, right? It, they'll learn it in life when they want to, and they can learn it at any yeah. age. So and isn't it there's so, no timeline. Yeah. And isn't that so simple and yet so radical. Yeah. You know, it's the most simple thing in the world to just be like, Oh, well I'll do it when I'm ready or when I want to, or when I need to, and then I'll do it. Like it's almost stupid simple that (laughs) that's that's all there is to it. But it's that the the difficult part is that, you know, that de-schooling and that leap of trust. Mm -hmm. And I love how you said um, that it, any of that can be at any age, whether it's learning something, um, you know, about socially or academically, um, but also the de-schooling never really stops. You know, I'm constantly through um, the lens of unschooling, looking at life and, you know, things I'm enjoying and 
reminding myself of different principles of unschooling and, oh yeah, I don't have to do this. And, you know, constantly peeling those layers, um, you know, in myself and in relationships. And I think Davy would probably say the same thing that she mm-hmm. is, you know, constantly thinking or looking at the world through that lens. And it's been, I think one of the gifts of unschooling is that, you know, we can continue the rest of our life to do that. And, and that's, yeah, that's been so simple and so radical at the same time. I love that. I love that. Stupid, simple, but so <laughs> radical. <laughs> Which leads very nicely to the the last question I have here. Um, and I think you, you were just touching on that, but with your official unschooling years behind you now, looking back, what's been the most valuable outcome, do you think, from choosing unschooling? I'm sorry, the most valuable, what was the outcome? Oh, most valuable outcome. Oh my goodness. I have to pick just one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say the most valuable outcome to unschooling is that I, I was able to take my time and look at our relationship differently. And I think we would have always had a fine relationship. I really do. you know, I, I like self-improvement and, but I had to do that at a younger age within schooling. And I feel like because of that, we had a stronger bond and a more respectful relationship between two humans than I think we would have otherwise, because I began to see her not as the child but as a person who needed guidance, but had fully her own, her own ideas, her own thoughts, whether she was verbalizing them or not. And I get to give her the information and guide her in whatever it was she wanted to do. And I think that has then played its part as she's gotten older and just kind of connected us on a level that I'm not sure we've been connected on before um, because I truly see her as a human fully capable of making all her own choices and her own decisions. And that's when I lost my internet. (laughs) I was so happy that Maria was able to answer my last question. And what a great sentence to end on. I truly see her as a human fully capable of making all her own choices and her own decisions. Thanks so much to Maria for joining me on the podcast. I had such a fun time chatting with her. We definitely share a few personality traits. And I thank her for her patience with my internet challenges too. (laughs) If you'd like to connect with Maria online, she is an admin for the Facebook group Unschooling Q&A, and I'll put that link in the show notes. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the first book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Free to Learn, Five Ideas for a Joyful Unschooling Life. In it, I share the five paradigm-changing ideas that most help me better understand unschooling. Reviewers have said, 
A quick read, but packed with ideas that challenge the dominant paradigm of our failing approach to learning, this little gem makes an excellent argument for unschooling. And... I was rather doubtful about this book, as I had never heard of the author, but after reading it, I wish that I had read it years ago. I hope you find it helpful, too. Free to Learn has also been translated into French and Spanish. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.